And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. <laughs> it is the weighing in podcast where the real punk and I are going to talk about everything that's going on in the world of combat sports, especially MMA, since that's the greatest sport on earth. And that's why we talk about it. What's up, my man? How you doing? What's going on? Um, I had to give you guys that Nate Diaz flex. Is that what that was? Ah, yeah, Normally he puts yeah, his hands yeah. up here. Yeah, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of both. I think he does a little, a little bit, bit of both. But yes, um, look, there's a lot of there's a lot going on this weekend. Ooh, I mean, we yes, have a lot to is. talk about, I should say. But yeah. of course, the thing that everyone I think is going to be talking about is this main event this weekend for the UFC is a fantastic main event. Hopefully it lives up to the potential, like unlike the fight last weekend did when the main event. But the card itself last weekend was okay. There's a couple good standout fights in that card. Michael Johnson gave me a little bit of a rub because uh, he thought I said something that I didn't say when he listened to the whole show. Boom. There it was. He agreed with me and sent me a nice text back and said, hey, I appreciate you, buddy. Now, this week, this fight is going to be... He had that all be- wrong, man. He had, he had that screwed <laughs> up. I, I was like... I saw, I saw the comment. I was like... Did he listen to John? No, he didn't listen. He just took the clickbait material that we put out, the podcast Dave likes to put out. That's it. Um, it. No, what it was is he felt he did exactly what DC did. He just listened to the clickbait, and then he agreed or disagreed. (laughs) And in this situation, DC agreed with you, and it was wrong because that's not what you said. And in this situation, he disagreed with me because I'm easy to disagree with, and he was wrong, and there we go again. Michael Johnson's a nice guy. I've oh, known Michael since, since he first came off because he came off the Ultimate Fighter probably I'd say about a year before um, a year before Strikeforce got bought by the UFC. So when he came yeah. off, yeah, when he came off, I I uh, I think it was at the Nate Diaz fight. No, it was before that. It was right before that. We did this thing called in the we did the summit right when we came oh, on. Yeah. I hadn't I hadn't uh, fought Nate yet. We did this show or whatever it was that we had to go to for the summit. Remember the summit? It was like a rules meeting slash. Yeah, there was. They brought property. everybody in and uh, yeah, did a couple of the, things and talked to great. all the fighters. You like that? The huh? Greatest. Do you want to know why? It didn't why? fucking matter how fucked up you were when you showed up the next day <laughs> to the thing. You could sleep through it all. You didn't give a shit. It was great. We had a free trip to Vegas. It was so much fun. Wild. We just wild out. Way to do that. I know we were wilding out. It didn't even matter. I, we'd all show up. It was so funny. We all showed up the next day to like the rules meeting stuff, and then the uh, the social media stuff. And you're in this big board. Well, we know you didn't listen to tables. any of it. No, we didn't. I had sunglasses on. I was sleeping. <laughs> Fuck. I was, sleeping. Yeah, I was wearing the the hat low, sunglasses on. We're indoors. Total jackass. And it was like me and like thirty other fighters. And there was probably only about four of them that were actually paying attention. And everyone else had sunglasses on. Some guys didn't even give a shit. They didn't have sunglasses on. They were just laying down on the table, knocked <laughs> out. I was like, yeah, it's all right. We'll wake up. But uh, <laughs> but man, it was we had a good time. There was a it, there was like one of those weekends where sure there was a couple guys that didn't get along, but we normally saw everyone kind of congregated to like, hey, where are you going tonight? Where are you going? We're gonna go to XS tonight, or we're gonna go to Marquee. We're gonna go. Well, you know, it was like kind of everyone seemed like. Everyone really got along. And that's what I really loved about the sport of MMA. We were very accessible to fans at almost at every turn and almost every fighter. I, I've yet to, there was a couple fighters. I think that I had seen like 
hey, like kind of rush through crowds, like, yeah, I got to get out of here, and you know, and but I think that was just given the circumstances. But pretty uh, majority of the time, fighters are very responsive to um, their fans. They're very nice to the kids, and um, the way you're supposed just, to like, be. Yeah, they they are. They're just really good. They seem to be really good people. You know, um, I don't know if they had just have flashbacks of when they were a kid, never really probably got to meet stars, never got to go to pro football games, basketball games, whatever it was. But I really believe that that they're just a different level. I look at that. I put them kind of on that almost like a hockey player kind of like I have yet to meet a ne- like a negative or a bad hockey player. Someone who's not a nice person <laughs> yet to meet one. You know, uh, like basketball players, football players, they all kind of walk around with a little sense of arrogance. I know hockey players too do. They do as well. But they seem to be very just level-headed hockey players and super nice. Um, MMA guys seem to be the same way, and females all seem to be the same way. Seem very nice, very respectful. I'm sure you've seen it over the years, John. Uh, I have. I've seen all. I've, I've seen all of it, and for the most part, this is why I say and people say, you know, who, who's the who's the who's the nicest MMA guy? Who's who's the biggest jerk? It's like. There's not a whole lot of jerks. No. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and waste my time t- trying to pick out the one that yeah. stands out there as the jerk. You know, yeah, of course, you, there's going to be personality differences. But for the most part, it's what in the beginning of the sport, it's the one thing that really helped the sport was yeah. the accessibility of the fighters to the fans, the fact that they would spend time. They didn't act like they were special. They were They were there to say, you know, hey, I appreciate you coming and watching. You 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 allow me to do what I want to do, and that's everything. And it, I just I hope it stays. Yeah, that's the real question. Will it stay? Do these you know? And you'll get the people that they become too big to care about the fans. It's like oh, I don't need them. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah you do. Well, yes, you do. That's one. Two is. I, I feel like my generation of fighter was the last generation that that felt like we were still trying to create a sport. I, I don't like the sport hadn't really taken off until I would say like my generation was like that that last generation that had something to still prove to the senators, to the to the <laughs> commissions, to you know to to prove to the fans that this wasn't just normal people on a plane when you're trying to describe your sport. You're yep. trying to you're trying to educate the people on the airplane. You guys should watch it. You guys should yeah. tune in. It's not as violent as you think. Having to sit there and break down. I listened to Bisping one time. I was flipping through YouTube and he, a clip of one of his clips came in. I don't know who he was talking to. And just he was talking about how he, the guy talked about how he preferred boxing over oh, you know, over MMA. And Bisping laid it out to him like, "Hey, you know what? I've had fights where like, you know, um I've got out of fights basically unscathed." And I can say the same thing. I, I think some of my first fights, out of like six fights, I only got hit like probably four or five times because I got the takedown real fast, got the submission real fast. You know, my first couple of fights, my fights didn't go longer than like two, three minutes. Yeah. You know, so I'm not trying to brag. I'm just simply saying like it, back then, the, there wasn't a lot of people that knew jiu-jitsu and had good, decent wrestling. And, you know, and those it was a relatively new sport. And um, so not not everyone was super well rounded. So those things happened back then. As things grew, those things don't happen as much anymore. No, not quite. Um, you know, um, but I felt like the gen- my generation, the Frank Shamrock, they were all had to be extremely nice to fans. They all had to basically walk around and educate people into the sport, get them to start to fall in love with it. 
and check us out. Every you felt like at every turn, I was explaining to people what it was. No, it's yeah. not human cockfighting, like Senator McCain said. No, <laughs> no, people don't. We aren't dying left and right. Oh yeah, people get really injured. They're dying. And I was like, who the fuck told you that? You know, it's like we it felt like you always were trying to stick up for what you were doing and sticking up for your sport. Shit, even my own family was like, "What the fuck are you doing? You're wasting your life." That's that's what they used to tell me. And then all of a sudden, I was fighting on pay per view in Las Vegas, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Like, what? You're on TV? Like, I was like, you know. And so then, it oh, became, there's the oh, difference. Wow. You made TV. You're somebody exactly. now. That it's so funny, John, how that <laughs> happens. It is yeah. so funny, and so, um. That that the generation, I think, all the way up to us, it was like me. I think obviously it was me, Cowboy. I think Jim Miller, like guys that are still kind of that we're still kind of around right now that I can give you guys to think of. They were. This is the last generation. Jose Aldo is probably the 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 oldest. No, he's the not, longest. He's not even in that. He's in. I, wouldn't you say? He, I'd say he's in that. WC is kind of in that area. All no, you're, 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 WC. no, you're talking because you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but guys that are now right at forty. Are the guys? That's the end. You, got, you got guys that are thirty-five. It changed a little bit and stuff, and, so, and then you got the guys, you know, the 30, 30 year group, and then the twenty-fives. You go, all they know is, yeah. oh, this has been around forever. All they know about is social media. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it's, the thing. It's funny when I, when I got on, uh, whoever the guy's name, I think his name was Brent last week, and about the whole this Yair and Ortega fight, and how Yair is going to get a title shot if he wins. And he's like, yeah, no, you you're wrong. Got, he's Josh like, oh, Thompson, you got, you're wrong. You have no idea what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> he goes, you only have, you're only going to get 97, you only have 97,000 followers and you know, that, that, and that's why people don't oh, like you. God. And I'm like, well, you got to remember, and Dave and I have talked about this because Dave's our producer and Dave has a little bit of education when it comes to like doing stuff on a computer and social media. It's just a tiny bit though. And, um, never helps me at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like kind of, I was that era that had I stuck around maybe a little bit longer, I probably would have got a little bit more, you know, in terms of subscribers or followers or whatever it is. But this new generation, like you make one, you make one uh, fight in the UFC or you have a couple several fights in, you know, in Bellator, like in, and you start putting together a good record. You're fucking, you blow up on social media. I mean, I know people that only have like one or two fights in the UFC and now all of a sudden they've got like two or 300,000 followers. Like, holy shit. Just different generations. You look at like guys like Chuck Liddell. I mean, Chuck, He's most one, probably the most one of the most recognizable guys ever to fight in the UFC with the head tattoo and the mohawk and all those things. He still, I think, only has like eight hundred thousand followers. I know that's a lot, but you look at some of the younger guys, like Khabib. Khabib's got like twenty five million. <laughs> you know, and I'm like Khabib kind of went worldwide. I He's agree, worldwide. but that's but even but even you look at like Islam, Islam Makachev. I mean, uh, Zai, uh, um, what's it called, Zuba. Uh, he Zuba and then uh, was it, those guys, those guys have all got over a million. You're like, yeah. huh? You know, and so you got guys like Chuck Goodell, former champion, multiple time champion. Guy who actually helped know. build the UFC. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and I always got a lot. He's got that's a lot, you know, in, in comparison to like someone like myself. But he, um, you know, you got these younger guys. They just. They resonate with the with the crowd these days, and first thing yeah. people do is they go online and they just click and they hit you know and they hit follow. So, just different generations. It is what it is. All right. Well, hey, we've talked enough about social media and all this other stuff that we're too old for. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's jump. <laughs> let's jump right into the main event. Hold on. Let's go right I wanna, to it. Go ahead. I want to give one shout out to Robbie Lawler, 
Roy McDonald, their fight at UFC 189 took place approximately now seven years ago. It was a couple days ago. That's a fight that I still can't believe the UFC hasn't put that in their Hall of Fame. It's like you're putting all these other ones. That's one of the greatest fights that ever happened in that cage. And I just want to tell both of them, man, for 20-some minutes, you had me in awe because they just did stuff and put up with more damage than people realize. There was more going on in there and both of them studs to the end. I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that it was healthy for either one. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a good thing. But that moment will live forever. It was special. I don't think either one of them were ever the same after that fight. I don't think so either. Yeah. A lot of people will look and they'll say, "Well, Robbie fought Carlos Condit. It was a great fight afterwards." Yeah, it was a great fight, but he he still wasn't. No. There there was something left behind, mm-hmm. and it, there there was a moment there, and I they have it on tape, and it's between the fourth and fifth round of that fight, and it was after you know they have the people look, and there's that moment where they kind of face off, and I and. You know, and, p- and people, you know, they look at it and they they talk about it and they'll say, you know, you know, why why did why did you get between them? And I got I got between them because I wanted Rory to get back to his corner to allow the cut man as much time to work on the swelling and all the problems that he was having. I go and he wants to stand there and just I said those seconds are going by, and so you know I would say, hey, let's get back to your corner because I wanted him to have, the cut man to have as much time as possible. And they go, that was just a great moment. And you look and you go, yeah, it was. But, you know, I always tell, you know, every referee, hey, th- you'll see them, that, you know, the, the end of the round and they'll go stand in their little corner. So you should be getting all the information that you can from both fighters and stuff. So after, you know, I pushed, you know, Rory and he goes over the thing. I go over to Robbie's corner. And I'm just looking at him and I say, you know, Rory, Robbie, how you doing? And he goes, I'm having a fucking great time or something like that. And he goes, yeah. And he, that's good that's what i want to hear and it was he had that mentality of you cannot beat me tonight and it was you know i went back and went over to rory's corner and looked at him and realized i'm not sure he's going to make it through this next one you could see that you know how much damage and how much how many problems he was having and stuff but that, that that night those two guys crazy yeah, I I was a fan of Rory for his very first fight. Was it his very first? I think it was against Carlos Condit. Was his first in fight the UFC, UFC correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That kid dominated Carlos Condit. For, oh yeah. For I would say for what uh, thirteen minutes, and then he yes, just got, about two and a half rounds. Yeah, it's about two and a half rounds. He dominated that fight. Then he got swept and got put on bottom and just did, had no answer. For the ground and pound, the top position, the striking of Carlos. And like you said, when you look at Carlos Condit, he does not look like a bad person. He doesn't look like a mean person. Mean like son of a bitch. He's a mean son of a bitch when he's in there. He just has yep. a switch that he turns on. Yep. And in that fight, that was a moment that I saw that, where he was a mean son of a bitch. And then yep. God bless I fell, I fell in love with Roy McDonald, man. I thought I was like, dude, this kid, I think he was 19, right? 19 or 21 uh, anyways he was he young might, it might have been i think he was 20 21 but he was that, that fight that fight was stopped with like 10 seconds left i know i know and he would have yeah. won he would have beat carlos oh, yeah. Conner. his first fight in the ufc he would have beat carlos yeah. Conner. how yeah. fucking crazy on the judges scorecards yeah oh yeah how crazy that he didn't win because he the fight got stopped 
I looked at it as a good stoppage too because he took about two minutes of a beat. Oh, and see this, and this is where you'll get people to say, "Oh, there was only three seconds left." Only three seconds. Okay, I want you. I want you to understand. I want you to lay on the ground, and I want a professional fighter to be able to have three seconds. Three <laughs> seconds. That's all you got to put up with. People have no idea. Look, a, a fighter who's going after something, they will lay down freaking 15 hard shots in three seconds of time. Mm -hmm. It's like you have no idea. You can't let those moments go because that can break that person. I can't remember. I cannot remember the fight. It was in uh, during the COVID area. The, the UFC had uh, all their things going off in Abu Dhabi, the fight island. And they had the one kid, I want to say he was from France, undefeated, right? And all this stuff about how good he is, how tough he is, and he was tough. And that referee let him get beat to death by his opponent. And I said, I said man, he, he, that kid's not going to come back the same. He still has not fought to this day again. You know, wow. and these are the things that happen. And people don't realize you can change a fighter's career. You can change their life by making bad decisions and allowing things to go on because they're so tough. You can't do that. Oh, there it is, right? Was it uh, Benoit Saint-Denis? Yep, that was the guy. Yep, ex-Special Forces guy. Wow. Show, show me if he's fought yet again. I don't believe he has. Let me see. He was undefeated wow. at the time. Yeah. Oh, no, he got one. He got one. Okay, he's good. Got one, yeah. And it was a good year after Smart. I mean Nicholas that Stoltz. and that dude is tough. He's good. Yeah. You just can't let people take beatings like that. That 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 fight he had against uh Santos, I mean, he was doing well and then he just started taking shots and more and more abuse and it was it was ugly. France has a lot of good up and coming fighters. So does Sweden Boy, they do. right now. There's a ton of good up and coming fighters. I know I know Bellator signed a couple, I want to say like four or five, especially after this last friend, uh France card we had. Those some of the guys from France, they fucking laid it on the line. <clears throat> especially that the first two or three fights that we had on the on the prelim card. Oh man. Holy shit. It was great to watch that those, that card. <clears throat> the prelims were fantastic. Um and then Sweden's got a bunch of new up and coming young stars. That are trying to make their name. I think overall, though, John, um, people don't realize that there's a lot of damage you can take in those three seconds. It's so funny because when um when I'm teaching fitness classes, like when I had my gyms, I would teach a fitness class. I would say, "Hey, you guys got ten seconds left." Forever. And people are looking at you, going like, "Fuck, ten seconds is forever." Yeah. You know, it's forever. Feels like it. It's when you're suffering is when it's it, it takes forever. It seems like it's just never going to end. Yep. What do you think is happening to the person on bottom getting punched in the face? <sighs> Dude. Like, it just seems forever. Three seconds is a long time. I can't remember. I think it was the Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz fight where Chuck laid out, like, I want to say, like, a 50 or 60 punch combination against Tito against the fence. I think it was the first fight. And put him away. And it was, like, I want to say 50 or 60 punches in, like, 22 seconds or, oh, yeah. or 19 it was something crazy yeah he just i was like holy shit yeah and and i'm like wait that's not possible you're telling me through like three punches per second or whatever and he's like and yep sure yep. enough this, it's like holy damn it can happen <sighs> so these guys yeah i mean it's crazy how much damage someone could take in a couple of seconds so when i was looking at that roy mcdonald fight and there's only like three or four seconds left 
you know, and he lost that fight. I was like, damn, don't stop it. He was going to win. He was going to beat yeah, Carlos yeah. Condit. And I'm a Carlos fan. But I was like, this young kid never heard of him, but he was so good. Yeah. He swept, I think, he swept uh, Carlos like two or three times from the bottom and got on top and was just able to control. I was like, holy shit, what, who is this kid? Where did he come from? <laughs> and then it all started making sense because he trained with, uh, he was, you know, came out of TriStar with the uh, I don't even know. If, I don't think he was a TriStar at that time. He was still with... Um... I can't think of the camp that he was with. It was out of BC because he's from uh, British Columbia. Mm. A little tiny gym, and you know, he was, you know, just a kid. He st he started his pro career at 16. Wow. He was 16 when he had his first pro fight. He has got he has got a beautiful family. Yeah. I mean, his little ones and his wife, and, and it's like they are. When people say like Canadians are Postcard. nice. Yeah, yeah, it's very much a postcard. That's one. And then two is when people talk about Canadians being nice, I think about him, his wife, and like his kids. They are the nicest people. <laughs> they are so damn nice. Rory has a little weirdness to him, you know, because he's kind of quiet, very well spoken, you know, um, but and everyone, the way he dresses a little bit, but he is such a nice guy. He is. I've, he's so nice. So he's nice. He's a qu um, quality guy. Very much so. And his nope. wife as well. And the little ones. You see the little ones. It's so funny. Anyways. All right. Well, let's jump into this car because we got yes, off track sir. a little bit talking I'm about sorry. the history of the sport. That was, that was me being John and I can do that all day. That's what gets us all you know, after the fight. Long. Yeah. We start talking about the history of all this stuff. All right. Look, we're going to jump into the UFC. This is a fight night. Um, Which what's the name? What number is this? It's uh, Vegas 59. Vegas 59. Actually, I think it's um, this UFC was this was not. Let me, I would say this one, this one isn't in Vegas. I think they're calling it UFC on ABC. Uh, let me just confirm. But it's not in Listen. Vegas, is it? It's called UFC Long Island. Long, Long Island. Island. Thank you very much. Got there it. Go. Got it. Okay. Thanks for doing the research there, Dave. UFC in Vegas. <laughs> You're welcome, Josh. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for, clearly. Can't rely yes, on you Yes, yes, yes. Clearly doing a wonderful job. UFC in Vegas. <laughs> All right. Right on top of it. Good job, buddy. Uh, okay, so Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. All right, this show is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag brings you some of the best gambling as well as just the best odds for you guys to make some money. If you guys listen to Big John and I, we can help you with that. Take a little bit of our advice. Don't take a little bit of our advice. But guess what? Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez right now is a fantastic fight. And I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this show and take some of our advice. We will be willing to make you some money. This fight's going to be outstanding. John, I'm telling you right now, and I've said this already. Haters are going to say that I never said it, but I'm going to say it again. This fight will, will yield Yair Rodriguez a title shot. If he gets to win, that's a big if. But I'm telling you, first off, make some money off of our advice at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Wayne in with the QR code right there. Okay, click that QR code. Use our promo code Wayne in at mybookie.ag, and good luck. Uh, this this really comes down to it's a tale of two. It's it's they've got different styles, a style of uh, contrast of styles here. Yep. Yeah, Yair is going to try to sprawl and brawl, keep this on the feet. Brian Ortega is phenomenal on the ground. Definitely has advantage on the ground, no doubt about it. But we have seen that Brian will not really shoot takedowns. In this fight, I think the calf kick is going to be available quite a bit, which is what Yair did to Max Holloway. How many of those calf kicks will uh, Brian be able to take? Yeah, but Brian does not. He does not splay his legs wide. No, I agree. If you think about it, keeps his legs kind of very boxer style 
mm-hmm. you know, tight as far as, you know, shoulder width apart. He doesn't put a lot, you know, out into that like a Max Holloway brings that that front leg out pretty far. Yeah, you're just not going to have as easy a time. I'm not saying he can't do it, but he's not going to have this easy a time of landing that calf kick against Brian. But you're right. Brian just doesn't shoot for takedowns now. Mm-mm. Well, I think the speed of Yair's calf kick is going to avoid him getting taken down as well. Because if he aims it low, let's say like just say three inches above the, the ankle, it's going to be hard for Brian to catch the, the, the kick. That's one. That. He's not going to catch that kick. And if he does start trying to reach down to catch the kick, he's going to get knocked out potentially yeah. with a head kick or change the way the Yair does his question mark kicks. All yep. of those things. And that's the other thing. Brian's a very straightforward fighter. Combinations with the hands. He'll throw a couple little flashy things like he did with the Korean zombie, the spinning back elbow or spinning back fist. He'll have some tricks up his sleeve, but not like Yair Rodriguez. And and when I broke this down last week on on last weekend's show, Yair is he like he's, he is next for the title shot. That's one thing. Two is because the other guys that are in that division, they haven't proved themselves or or Volkanovski's already beat them once, sometimes maybe even twice. In Max's case, three times. So you're repeating these things over and over. Whereas Yair, you no matter how you feel, I was never. I'm not. A, I was a big fan of him when he first came out. I wasn't a fan of him after he left the UFC, came groveling back, and you know wanted to be back at the UFC, and they gave him a spot. But you can't. I never denied the fact the kid was extremely talented. He's oh, extremely talented, phenomenal fighter. Um, the things that he can do inside that cage is just insane. He's fun to watch. He's got all these like when you watch the Korean zombie fight, he was getting he was getting beat all over the place. He lost. He was losing that fight. I believe it was fifty. He was, was losing the 50, fight. Yeah, it was gonna be fifty forty five at the end of that fight. But then he hit that that little back elbow thing, and it was beautiful. <laughs> Just crumbled down Korean zombie, and those are the type of things that you love to see from someone who understands they're never out of the fight. John, he doesn't he doesn't ever seem like he quits. He's not a quitter. He's no, a fighter. No, he's got no quit in him. He's got. He's a stud. Look at when he lost to Frankie Yeager. He was getting dominated that whole fight. Never once did he try to give up. He was trying to put Frankie Yeager out the whole the whole time. He sure. just couldn't stop Frankie's takedowns. He's a different fighter since then. He's yep. a different fighter since uh, Korean Zombie. This is a tough task for him, though. I'm going to be honest. Look, just because I said, and I want to, of course, I want to be right that he gets the title shot, but I also want to believe. I want. I want to be honest. I don't know if he gets past Brian. T-City is really tough. He's got power in his hands. He will mix it up, I believe. I don't know if he's got the ability to take him down, but Yair throws enough kicks, and all it takes is all it's going to take is for him to catch one and get this takedown. And if he does that and gets that takedown, I could see him just slicing through the, the guard, getting to the top position, and getting the finish if Yair makes a mistake on the ground. The ground is the big difference maker in this fight in the stand-up Yair is flashier he's he's got more spinning attacks he's got the just the an entire repertoire of things that he can do you know flashy but they're fast and they're effective and so I don't care how flashy they are if it's effective use it and he can use them all Brian is more of a a kickboxing approach almost heavier towards the boxing with his hands. He will throw kicks at times, and uh, he will use some spinning attacks, but he uses them sparingly. But the ground is the difference maker here. But again, it's like what you said. I'm not sure Brian's going to even try to take him down. 
if Brian hurts him in the stand-up and he goes down, it'll, he'll definitely go to the ground. But it's not one of those where I see Brian working towards getting the takedown. He just doesn't do that. It's just not who he is. He believes in his stand-up. He believes that he can beat people on the feet. And he, if it hits the ground, then he definitely believes he can beat them. This is a toss-up fight. It's just a matter of who, in my opinion, in this fight, if you watch the Max Holloway fight with Yair, the one thing that Max did is he was able to push Yair back and make him move backwards more than he was comfortable with. That got him tired, and it slowed him down. Mm-hmm. Brian's got to move him backwards. If Yair is moving forward, I believe he's going to be winning the fight. If Brian is moving forward, I believe Brian's got a good shot at winning the fight. That's the way in in the way you're looking at game planning for against Yair. A lot of his kicks, other than that low calf kick, start to slow down when he's going backwards. And so everything opens up for Yair if he's on that you know front foot coming forward. So Brian's got to make him go backwards. I'm not going to sit here and say he's got to work for the takedowns, even though I'd like to see him work for the takedowns. But he's definitely got to establish that I'm going to make you move backwards. And Yair, what he needs to do, if that starts to happen, a lot of circling, a lot of lateral movement, and change things up in that lateral movement, change your angles, and then attack him off of that. But this is, I don't know what the odds are. Mm-hmm. It should be even. It's that close. Oh, no, no, no. Come John, on, it's no. that close. No, like I look. We, you believe we, Yair's got the advantage in this? No, no, I think Brian's got the advantage. Oh, okay. No, Brian's fought the tougher talent. He's fought. He's okay. fought. He's got a bigger name. He's fought tougher talent. He's coming off his loss to Volkanovski, but you could say that he's the guy that gave Volkanovski the best fight, the hardest fight yeah. that he's had. And yep. I would say I'd have to probably agree with Brian. Brian's almost finished him in a triangle. Almost finished him in the guillotine. I'm sure, he took some big shots in that fight and took a lot of damage. But let's be honest, he gave Volk probably the toughest fight he's had. You're absolutely right. Brian Ortega is the favorite. Yeah, I would think. Uh, and it's not by much, though. Minus 170. No. If you go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code Wayne in. Minus 170 plus 140 for, y- for Yair Rodriguez. But I would go with T-City, man. T-City's a dog, and he will be there in the fifth round. He will be trying to put the pace on him. He, I don't See, this is where I, I, I'll i disagree with you a little bit, but I go understand ahead. what you're going I understand where you're going with it. I don't think that Yair needs to move Brian Ortega backwards to win the fight. I think he can pick and – I think he can – pot shot him with the speed and the kicks and use that range and the speed of the kicks and mixing up the combination with the hands and the kicks to not frustrate Brian, but I think he's going to be the faster fighter and be able to hit him and and move and get out of the way. He just needs to be able to use his lateral movement. Like you said, I don't think he needs to move Brian backwards where I think if Brian wants to win, he has to move him backwards. He can't stand in the center and just let Yair pick him apart. He can't do that. No. And by making him fight off the back, but he sure the hell can't go backwards. That's the one thing Brian no. can't do. He can't let Yair just push him around and pot shot him and then move and, and make you fight off your back foot, which makes you even slower than if you were just standing in the center of the cage getting pot shot. So, but Brian, if he does want to win, he needs to move Yair backwards. He needs to make him uncomfortable. He needs to make him throw combinations when he doesn't want to throw combinations to potentially throw him off balance, to potentially catch him slipping. Something along those lines. I'm going to go with the power, though. I'm going to go Brian's got the bigger power, though, in the hands. Yair doesn't, his hands are good. They're fast, but he doesn't have a lot of power in his hands. He doesn't have a lot of pop. The kicks is where he makes his bread and butter. That's where he makes his money. 
Sure. He's flashy. He's good. He's experienced. He hides it. He's he hides his uh, combinations with his hands behind his kicks, or vice versa. He hides his kicks behind his hands, which makes it hard to to figure out the judgment of the speed, the distance, and the range when you're fighting somebody like that. It's frustrating to deal with somebody like that. And so um, <clears throat> Brian's gonna have his hands full, and I this that's like I said where I agree with you. Brian's got to move him backwards. Yair. Needs to make sure that he stands his ground, doesn't let his, his ability to be pushed backwards, does, doesn't let that happen. Yeah. But I'm excited for this fight. This is one of those fights when they announced it, I was like, okay, this is a fight that I'm excited to see. Because if you look at this, Dave, can you pull up the 145-pound rankings, please? It's a tough task for Yuri to get the win. I'm not going to say he's going to get it. But who, if if he doesn't get it, then that's when Josh Emmett slides up into that mix. Josh Emmett's got that's a, where you're at. a big time. Big time yes. argument about who else? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be it would just be Josh. I, that's all yeah. I can say. Now, when mm-hmm. I look at the like, neither one of them have fought the barn burners. They've not, you know, they haven't fought Brian. He's fighting Yair's fighting Brian right now, but but Josh hasn't fought a Max Holloway. He hasn't fought a Brian Ortega. Um, you know, there's fighters in there where you want to see them fight. Everyone keeps saying Arnold Allen. I'm like Arnold's all the way down at number five. He's tied for number five, and. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't fought a Max Holloway. He hasn't fought a Brian. I look at Max and Brian as being like, I don't want to say gatekeepers, but they're the guys that you you have to beat one of those guys to get to the to the champ. I'm sorry, like those two guys have been a mainstay at the top for four or five years now, and Max being longer than that. Yeah, especially but I'm saying Max. Brian. Yeah, Brian though he's been there for four or five years. You got to get through one of those two guys. To get to the to get to Volkanovski, I'm not going to let you get a title shot unless you get through one of these guys. And if you can't beat one of these guys, you're not getting one. And so if Yair beats Brian, he deserves the title shot. Where's Josh? If he doesn't beat Brian, Josh is kind of skirting the path there, buddy. He's able to to jump through both those guys and get a title shot, which is going to be crazy. You know, I would like to see him fight one of those guys. He just beat uh, Calvin Cater. Wasn't the best performance. We all know that. It was, but it was, and it was a close fight, and and, close I, and fight. I like Josh Emmett, but it's like you, you should have to fight one of those guys, or I like to see him fight. If you want to talk about who would be potentially next, then have him fight somebody like uh, an Arnold Allen, then to see who. Okay, look, let Arnold get that jump in competition against someone like Josh Emmett, and let Josh Emmett prove that that he can beat the most one of the most highly touted guys in the weight class in Arnold Allen. That should be that should be the dictator because I don't think Max's gonna fight for a while and Brian's gonna take some time no. off after this fight. So if that's the case, Volkanovski is gonna have surgery. I think he just broke his thumb. Broke his thumb in the fight. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll be out for at least eight to ten weeks with no contact before he gets back in there. So you got some time, man. I mean, I don't think I don't think Volk's gonna fight probably until the beginning of next year. I think he's out for the rest of the year. He'll take some time probably and rest up. He's I don't fan. know that dude. Yeah. He, he likes to fight because I think he likes the money. Yeah, well, I think he he likes it all. That's not so. Well, so that'll be fun. Overall, though, it's gonna be a good fight. I'm excited yeah, for this fight. fight. Who else is on this card there, Dave? Michelle Waterson against Amanda Lemos is the one that I'm looking forward to. I think that's a great matchup. Mm. I like Michelle Waterson. <laughs> I like Michelle Waterson. <laughs> she's so funny, man. The when karate she, hottie. She's awesome. She did. She did a manscape. Uh, one of the first manscape videos that I saw. I was like, "What is this manscape shit?" But she did it with her <laughs> husband. <clears throat> they did like different scenarios where like she was like shaving him in the shower, shaving him like it was. It, but it was very well done in a tasteful way. It was funny as hell though because 
you know, she's she's the fighter, and you would think like it would be a male thing, kind of, you know. And but she ran with it. They had a great time with it, and um, I was always a fan of hers before then. But it just showed her personality, just how fun she was. And I'd, n- I'd never heard anything bad about her. I'd always heard great things about her. But that was like kind of the one moment I was like, you're ev- you're everything that people talked about. You are fun, funny, oh, bubbly, great. exciting. Like she's that person. And you just want to get behind those kind of people. You know, yeah, she's so. I, I met Michelle when I, I called Greg Jackson long ago. <laughs> I was doing the bully beatdown. And uh, <laughs> it was a. Uh, they needed a a small female fighter because it was actually Eddie Bravo's ex girlfriend was going to oh, be no. on the show, right? He was talking about how she was going to submit people and stuff like that. So I, I talked to Greg. I said, "Hey, do you have you know anybody of this idea?" Because I got he goes, "I have Michelle Waterson." I said, "I said that would be great." I said, "But how's her ground game?" Because supposedly you know this girl. She goes, "Dude, she'll she'll eat her up on the ground." I said, "All right." Ask her if she wants to do it, right? She says, yeah, she wants to do it. She comes out. She was so fun. Such a sweetheart. And this is long before most people knew her. And then, you know, I did her fight when she uh, she won her first uh, world title, the Invicta title, when she beat uh, Jessica. And uh, Jessica um, Andrage? No, Jessica... no, no, no. No, um, long, tall, lanky. Um, oh, my God. I've lost my mind. Um, keep going down. Pen. Let me see. Penny. There oh, you go. Jessica, Jessica Penny. Penny. Yeah. Dude, I, Pen, I couldn't get Penny, her last name. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Penny Spaghetti. Doesn't matter. I like her too. She's nice. Oh, I she's did a... sweetheart. Yeah. And but in that that fight, you know, she submitted Jessica Penny, who was submitting everybody, mm. and put on. It was a great fight between the two, and and you know, then she ended up going to the UFC, and you know, did her fights there. Did like you know, fight. She, she choked out Paige Van Zant and stuff she's just she's one of those people you would never realize how tough a human being she is but man she is that so that's a good fight there's a couple of other really interesting fights in this matt schnell super good with his hands great stand-up that's a good fight the one that you're gonna love shane burgos against charles jordan that's a great matchup and then there's also far down john dude that fight so far down Dude, look at Ricky Simon. Ricky Simon against Jack Shore. That's a great matchup. Jack Shore is a stud. That's a great matchup. It doesn't make any sense. And then you also got Misha Tate and Lauren Murphy that got bumped from like the co-main or on the main card to now they're on the maybe opening the prelims or opening the main card. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, look, you guys can feel however you want about, you know, female fights, but like with someone like Misha, who's a former champion, and Lauren Murphy, who fought for the title, they've got to be they've got to be up higher in the card. And I get what they're trying to do, but Shane Burgos should be up there, number like probably the co-main event for this fight. Oh, um, Gila Leong Lee or whatever, like he's fun no matter what. He's fun. He's a fun fighter to watch. He either gets fucked up or he fucking fucks you up. <laughs> and so <clears throat> he's a fun fight to watch. There's a lot. There's there's potentially a lot of good fights, but I got to be honest. The fights that I feel like is going to steal the show. There's two of them. Let's hear it. You mentioned both of them with Shane Burgos and, and Charles Jordan. And then you've also got Ricky Simone versus Jack Shore. Oh. Those two fights, I feel like have an opportunity to really steal the show. Yeah. Really steal the show. The other, the so, other one that's going to mm-hmm. be really, uh, should be a barn burner. 
the, the guy I love, the Hanyak, Dustin, Dustin Jacoby's coming out against Unjung. Mm-hmm. That should be they're gonna they're gonna bang on each other. Someone's gonna get knocked out. I think. And my boy's on here too, Dwight Grant. He's another guy. He goes out on his shield. He either gets knocked out or he knocks you out. One of the two. He's the one right below that. So he's fighting. Uh, who I don't know who he's fighting. Dustin. Stoltz- and look at Jessica Penny's on the bottom of this card. I didn't even there know she, she was is. fighting. In it. Jessica Penny. Emily, Emily Dakota. You remember her? You yeah. remember her from Bellator? Absolutely. <clears throat> I was trying to figure out why do we let her go? She had fought for the title like two or three times and came up short. And I think they were just nah, she, fought, like we she ran, fought for a, she fought for it once, but she she's a very tough fighter. Good and just she's one of those gritty. She just mm-hmm. keeps on coming. She doesn't stop. You know, she doesn't give up. That's a great matchup between her and Jessica. I, Emily normally lives off of the submission game. I don't think she's going to live off of it with uh, Jessica Penny, but we'll see what happens in it. I've always been a big fan of Jessica. I did a, <clears throat> I did a woman's self defense class at the University of San Diego, and uh, she, I, they got us matched up. Like we had a sponsor, I think, that matched it up for us, got us a, a rep uh, to do the seminar there. Yep. And uh, she showed up, and uh, it was the two of us. And I had never met her before, but I was like, man, she was so nice. She almost elbowed my face off drilling, doing a drill, though. And I was like, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 what are you doing? Hey, that's too so, close. Yeah, she's she's got something about her that's like, um, uh, she I don't like. She comes across when you meet her as a very strong female, yeah. as well as like has that very sexy look to her when you get to know her the, the way she comes across the way she carries herself has like a little bit of a sexy look mixed in with like a strong female like you know someone who's very firm like when i was talking with her when we did the, the the seminar she's very confident very strong with her with uh, her words her comments her and everything it was, it was pretty good she should be um nice person very nice person though we've seen her several times now at the bellator events and stuff and she's an absolutely amazing person um, how do you see the uh, Shane Burgos Charles Durnay fight going down? <sighs> Obviously, it's I believe it's going to end up on the feet for the most part. I think uh, Jordan would be smart in trying to, at times, look for takedowns against Burgos. Burgos is huge for that weight class. He is a large person for the featherweight. His frame and everything. He's got power in his hands, and and the guys who tend to beat him are guys that, you know, are able to to at least put up with his power for a while, and then they take him down. There's been fights where obviously where he's he's gotten knocked out, but I look at Jordan, a lot of spinning attacks, a lot of fancy stuff. He's got power, but he doesn't have the power of Shane Burgos, so he's going to have to be putting a lot of volume on Shane Burgos in the stand up to get get a win against him. Yeah, Jordan, I feel like is someone that he can be I give pushed Burgos backwards. The advantage. You give Burgos the advantage because he's got the I power. Know. He will try to walk him down. He will try to put his size on him. I think this obviously the speeds that he's going to go to Jordan. Um, the combinations mixing it up. He's going to have to mix it up. He's got to keep Burgos guessing. Yeah. He's got to throw the hands, finish with the kick, or throw the kick and then finish with the hands. And after he's done with his combination, he's got to be moving out of the way. You get out. Yep. Use the Reset. lateral movement. Yeah, use the lateral movement. Try to cut angles, cut corners, and try to piece them up on the angle as well as when he's getting out from underneath the body or any of those things. He's got to make sure he doesn't have that he doesn't have to carry 
Shane Burgos' weight against the fence or from the bottom position. He can't afford to get taken down. Now, Jordan's also got good takedowns. He's quick. He has a more of a, I would say it's more of like a Savat style slash like Sanchao style. He's got he's good on the single leg dumps. He's good on like those kind of takedowns. Yeah. Catching kicks, takedown. He's catch good at single leg dumps. He's good at mixing up those type of takedowns. Um, but he's got to make sure he's using the speed. He can't afford to stand directly in front of Burgos and, and take big shots and let him let him weigh on him and slow him down that way. Yeah, so if, if he does that, I, I would agree with you. He's got a good chance of winning the fight. If you recall, Burgos went and trained with Josh Emmett. So Emmett could get a good a good look at someone like a Calvin Cater in the stand-up, who Burgos is very much like to a mm -hmm. point. And Emmett helped Burgos with some of his takedown defense and stuff. So we're going to see how that mm -hmm. exchange works. So Burgos working on, I, I need to make it to where people just get shut down by my takedown defense. It's not something they think they can get. So we'll see. Now this is um, Misha Tate. Is fighting Lauren Murphy. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, Lauren Murphy's, I, I've, I, I've known her forever. She's sweet. You talk about a sweetheart of a person, a person that's just so nice, so kind to be around, but has lived for the most part. They're very similar. They both came up as grapplers. They both came up with, Misha was a little bit more of a jujitsu, I mean, a, a wrestling style who turned into a jujitsu player where, Lauren is a jiu-jitsu player from the beginning. Misha has the better takedowns, no doubt about it. Lauren is very physically strong, but so is Misha. Neither one is exceptionally fast. You know, and so this matchup, they, they, they are very similar in their styles. They're very similar in their approaches. I just believe that Misha has right. She just has a mentality right now that tends for me to look and say she has the advantage in the fight. They're both coming off at, losses, but yeah, I look at Misha. Like you said, the mentality is a big deal. Um, this, this is her first fight at 125, correct? Yep. I believe so. Yeah. I want to know how the weight cut's going to get her, but she seems like she's trimmed down quite a bit. She's already kind of, I think close enough now. So um, seeing some of her videos, seeing some of her pictures and stuff, I think that she is close enough now. So we'll see. We'll see where she ends up. Um, I think both of them are not fast fighters. No. Misha looks like she's got a little bit faster since cutting down, you know, losing the weight and getting down a little bit since when she made her first title run. She looks like she's got a little bit faster. She's a little bit more confident with her hands. Um, but I also look at it, too, where I feel like her wrestling is not as good as it used to be when she was younger. It's because she, she hasn't used as much. Yeah. I agree. I just, I just choked <laughs> oh, you up, didn't me. I? Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that when when she is pushing the pace, she's gonna have to try to get that takedown. Will she blow will she I don't want to say balloon back up? Will she get big enough to where she can equal the size of Laura Murphy? Because Laura Murphy's a lot a little bit taller, I believe, than Misha. Maybe when you look at their their body styles. <clears throat> Speed, I don't think it's gonna be a factor for either one. I think Misha might be slightly faster. I'm going to go wrestling is going to go to Misha. Jiu-Jitsu, I'm going to go with Misha. Um, but I think the the length and the style of which uh, Lauren Murphy fights may give Misha a little bit of problems. So in the stand-up, I think they're probably about equal. I think you were saying that as well. Is it, they're pretty much equal in the stand-up. I think they're equal. I think they're pretty much the equal almost everywhere. Yeah. 
this is going to be a big deal for for Misha Tate, but it's not going to get any easier for her after if she wins this fight. Fighting no. Shevchenko is not something you really. <laughs> I'm sorry. Especially, especially coming <laughs> off of Shevchenko's last fight. You know, usually when a champion has a fight that's a really tough fight like that, and she, you know she had her moments where a lot of people could sit there and say they didn't think she won. She got it. She, so I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. But she didn't have the performance that we normally expect out of her, the one yeah. that she expects out of herself. Normally they'll come back pretty strong in that. So, and I think yeah, that because having Misha Tate, if she does get it, you know, by Lauren Murphy and she does get that shot, that will kind of motivate Valentina because she is an ex champion and she has yeah. that, oh, this is someone that I can get motivated by. That's yeah. that's what you're looking for is the champ. Yeah, especially if she goes back and watches the Holly Holm fight. And she yeah. says, oh, well, shit, look what happened. Like, Misha, she won the second round, right, I think it was? Like, 10-8. Yeah, 10 And the other rounds, the other rounds, she lost. And in that, in that fifth round, she was losing, too, until she got the takedown. Yep. So, and then the finish. Um, any other fights on this card that you're interested in at watching? No. I've talked about the ones that I think that are the, the really good ones. Yeah. Should be I think I think there is some fights like the Algio and Herbert Burns. Did that fight get canceled though? Mm. I thought it got canceled, or maybe it was supposed to be on last week's card and it got bumped to this card, or maybe it was two, supposed to be two fights or two cards ago. Bill Algio, he's tough. He's yeah, a gamer. Be, he is. He is. And, and then Burns, 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 we know has got great ground. He's got good ground. Yeah, fantastic not, there. So not the best wrestler though. And no. then stand up is just okay. He doesn't believe in his stand up as much as he should. He used to fight um, in one. Yeah, he was in one. Yep, that's how I met him. Okay. I, I I didn't even know he was uh, Gilbert's br brother until <laughs> until after I left working there. So, all right. Well, hey, that's gonna wrap up our UFC talk uh, for this week, and let's get into some news because there's a lot of news to talk about as well. And of course, one of our all time favorites is Nate Diaz. So, yeah. Why don't you? Uh, let's, but let's, he didn't put that up there. He didn't put that up there. So let's go right to uh, something else. Go ahead. Let's talk about it. Well, we can go with the NDS thing no, first. No, I think that was no, the no, biggest. No, no, no. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's talk about the All main right. card is locked in for UFC. What is this? UFC 277? Yep. Jessica Penne. Oh, Jessica Penne. Sorry. <laughs> Juliana Pena. Juliana I Pena. <laughs> the champ. Oh, versus Can't say her man. name. And Amanda Nunes, too. Amanda's not with ATT anymore. She, I think she left on good terms from what I heard. She did. She decided to start her own location, I believe. Well, she's she, like, she, she took a location. lot of the people that were, were normally working with her the most, and they kind of went and are just doing a little, like, little offshoot. Hmm. So. Is, is it called ATT? Is it like an offshoot of ATT? I'm not, I'm not too sure that it's called ATT. Hmm, interesting. But. All right, well, let's go a rundown. Let's give this fight again. Let's see what happens. What do you think? Well, it, it all comes down to the same thing. And this is what I said in the first. If Juliana Pena can get past that first round and not, you know, be hurt by Amanda. Amanda's got power in her hands, not be hurt by her. If the fight hits the ground, I've said in the past, I think that I know Amanda's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I think that Juliana has the advantage. I think she's actually better there. She's more solid in in. The way she approaches things, she's more heavy on top. She does things better overall. I look and say, in the stand-up, it should be Amanda. She's got the cleaner, crisper, got more power, everything. But she cannot look towards 
throwing heavy strikes with every time she's throwing. If she does that, she's going to end up getting tired. She is a fast twitch muscle fiber athlete who can only sprint for so long before all of a sudden she's at a oxygen deficit. And that's when Juliana will take over in this fight. So it's all dependent upon what does Amanda do? How does she come out? If she comes out, just touch, 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 and then pop and throws power occasionally, she's going to have a much better time of controlling herself in this fight and doing damage to Juliana. If she goes after knocking her out right away, she could do it because she's got power and it only takes one shot. But if she doesn't get that in the first round, then it's going to be downhill from there. No matter how, I think with her body style, what's her nickname? What's what's Nunez's nickname? The Lioness. The Lioness. Lioness. Yeah. What happens with lions? They sleep all day. They get tired. They go out there. They explode for like one sprint after some prey, and then they sleep a little bit more. That's kind of how I look at her. It seems like a very fitting name. She's that someone is. that, like you said, explodes. She knocks you out great, and then she rests for like a half a round. And she explodes and doesn't. She's got a lot of output in that first fight. She had a lot of output. There's other fights where she's had very similar output and got people out of there. Yeah. And um, Cyborg being one of them. This fight, I, I think, like, I agree with you, John, 100%, that this is going to come down to <clears throat> does she pick and choose her shots? Does she pick and choose the moments that she wants to try to explode? If she does, she's got a great chance. And does, does Juliana Pena mix this fight up now? Does she expect. Does Amanda expect her to stand and trade like she did in the first fight? Or do you think she's going to come out and wrestle more and try and tire her out that way? Because Amanda Nunez is someone that on the feet, I think she's got a little bit more conditioning because she probably spends the majority of her time training the the mitts, the bag, the stand-up, all of those things because she's more of a stand-up fighter, even though she's a black belt jiu-jitsu. But <clears throat> training just those things, and then I'm sure she trains on the ground. I'm sure she trains in wrestling. But she will probably tend to slow down if Juliana Pena grapples her a little bit more early in the fight to take some pop off of her punches, make her pummel, make her work against the fence, all of those things, and then open up the stand-up. I think Juliana, she's not stupid. She's a smart fighter. She's a dog. She's going to come after uh, Amanda again. It's going to be she a kn- tough fight. She knows she's got to push fight. the pace on her. She knows that. Yeah. And that's what she's going to have to do. She's going to have to really get in her face. But I think there's going to be a little bit more grappling and wrestling this time than there was the first time. She's not going to stand and trade with her as much. I think I think Amanda is going to be a little bit more prepared, a little bit more focused, and understanding what's at stake. What? And that being the case, I think that Juliana Pena is going to have to wrestle a little bit more. If you were to say who's the favorite, who's the favorite? I'm telling you right now, I think Juliana Pena is the favorite. I'm the I'm sure that Amanda's going to end up the betting favorite. Juliana's a champ for a reason. She beat her. Mm. She and she beat her convincingly. Dave, does 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 my bookie have these odds up yet? <clears throat> there it is. There you go. There we go. And Amanda is as minus I said, 290. That's big. Minus new. That's huge. Huge. Man. So Juliana Pena is a plus 230, and then Amanda News is a minus 290. Yep. <clears throat> huge. Huge. Uh, I, I'm, I, I was talk, thinking about this before we started this conversation about this fight. 
I'm probably betting Amanda Nunes just because she's going to come back with something to prove. Okay. And what scares me, though, John, is <clears throat> she's not at ATT anymore. Nope. Who was her main training partner as she was making her rise? Kayla Harrison. Yeah. You know, she's not, they're not, they're not working together anymore. I look maybe at they way. are on the side, maybe a little bit on the side, but a lot of people try <clears throat> to compare this. The the biggest upset in UFC championship history is what? Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey. No. Uh okay, then Jose Aldo Conor McGregor. No. Matt Sarah versus George St. Pierre. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, was, I was like, isn't there a GSP it's okay. somewhere? It's okay. I like the ones that you came up with, but no one. Matt, Matt Sarah got that title shot off of winning the ultimate fighter, yeah. if you recall. Yeah. There was two, the two weight classes. There was middleweight and there was welterweight. He ends up beating Chris Lytle in the finals of it. And he gets the shot at the title, which were, and, and that was at UFC 69 against George St. Pierre. No one gave him a chance. Mm -hmm. And he ends up beating George, knocks him out, hurts him, knocks him out, takes it. But he took that, that fight, and a lot of people then went and said that you know this fight between Juliana and Amanda the first time was the biggest upset. No. And the way that they won it is different. Matt Sarah hurt George St. Pierre, went after him and never let him off the hook and got him out of there and then came back and fought him at UFC 83 right away. Same as this, a rematch. And Matt, Matt Sarah, you know, put on a good performance, but George was ready, understood things and, and just, you know, decidedly different as far as, you know, their physical abilities in the fight. That's the fight that made GSP a wrestler. Let's just be honest. Yes. That's Absolutely, the it's the fight that started it, and <laughs> yeah. so. But when when Juliana beat Amanda, she beat Amanda at her own game, and it wasn't like she just you know hurt her and got rid of her. No, it was a systematic. Went through the entire first round, got her tired, and then just no matter what you want to say. The choke that she ended up tapping to, Josh, she didn't tap because she the choke was so tight. She choked. I mean, she she tapped because the choke was on and she she was exhausted. Mm -hmm. And when you get to that type of you win the fight, breaking someone down to the point where they're exhausted, it's a different type of victory, and, and it's one that does not leave your mind. It does. It's not. Oh, I got caught. She didn't just get caught. Mm -mm. There's a difference, and so I look at this. Amanda's got a lot to get through mentally, as far as if she goes in there and she starts fighting against you, and the same things start happening, and she can't just hurt her and get rid of her. Mm -hmm. Look out. Do you do you look at it that? Look, I know she's a I know she's a, a champion. She's still a champion at 145. She's yeah. a former champion at 135. But I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand that. <clears throat> for me, it's hard for me to swallow to to say that. Do you look at it? She quit because she was exhausted. She quit. Fatigue makes everyone get to the point where they give up. You get so tired, your heart rate gets that. I can't go anymore. I can't breathe. 
I can't, I, I can't move my arms. Are, I, they're heavy. I can't, you know, I can't even lift my hand. It, it, we have that, that one saying that fatigue makes cowards of all of us. Mm-hmm. And it can. And it's, it's those moments, you know, this is why when you get, you know, special forces, you know, SEAL team, bud school and stuff, it's a mental issue of, are you going to quit? We fatigue you to the point where we mentally put you in a, in a position. Are you going to quit? Are you going to quit? And we can all be there. We can all say, yes, I'm going to quit. And it's the few that sit there and go, I'll die first. I, you know, I've seen it with so many different fighters and different things. I've seen the ones that say, you're going to have to kill me. And I've seen the ones that go, I'm going to come back another day. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, we've seen a lot of fighters, and I've got a couple that are friends of mine that will turn their back and give the submission before they get ground and pounded out. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I look at that fight, and I just think to myself, like, Juliana, she's got the she's in Amanda's head. How will Amanda react? Will she come out even harder and try and really get her knocked out or try and knock she, her out early? And that will, and then, that's what I'm talking about. She starts throwing like, hard with every fall. shot. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Now, she... <clears throat> She has the power as a female fighter. Not every female fighter has one punch knockout power. They can volume people. You know, you you yourself, you talk about it. You weren't a one punch knockout guy. You had to volume people. You just had to she, kick you in the head to get anywhere near you. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she does have that ability. She can actually put somebody out. With, she's got that kind of power. And if it lands, hey, it's going to put... Juliana out. It's got to land. Will it? That's what we're going to find out. True, true. Uh, Other fights on this card, which is for UFC 277. You've got uh, Brandon Moreno versus Kai Car France. I think it's for the interim title, correct? That's a good fight. Should be a good fight. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Pavlovich. Should be a good fight. I want to see Derek get a win. Uh, No. 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 Pavlovich. Yeah. No, I'm saying I want to see Derek get a win. I know you do. Yeah. You want to see it. Yeah. It's a tough one. <laughs> then you've got uh, Pantoja versus um, Alex, Alex Perez. Perez. Should be a great fight. Yes. Should it be a really, really should good be fight. Barnburner. And then you got Anthony Smith versus Ankalaev. That's the one tough I'm looking fight, forward to. But that's going to be a great fight. I, so when you're looking I look at this fun. card, when you're looking at the card, it's stacked for the amount of money you guys going to have to pay. It's a good card to invest in. It's a solid card just throughout. <clears throat> Every fight, the Ankalaya versus Smith, that's an intriguing fight because Ankalaya really on a hot streak, been doing well. Can he get past Anthony Smith? Yeah. Not not too sure he can. We're going to find out. Alex Perez, great stand-up. Pantoja, great jujitsu, but he's got really good stand-up too. Yeah. He's got his Muay Thai background and stuff. Interesting to see that on the feet. Derek Lewis obviously can put anybody's lights out. That's going to be a tough fight for him against Sergey, though. Sergey's super long. He's got a lot of power. So, and then the Brandon Moreno versus Kaikara France. Kaikara France is he's reached a new level, mm-hmm. and we know that Brandon Moreno is just a freaking dog. He's got yeah. no quit in him. So, great fights. In a five round fight, I'm going to lean towards Brandon Moreno. Yeah. With the experience that Brandon's had fighting uh, Figgy so many times. Yep. And, I'd have to uh, give him the advantage. And the confidence, I think. And then also, too, I think he really just lost his title that last fight because he just didn't pull the trigger. He didn't he fight smart. For the fight to ha- he didn't fight he smart. He did not fight smart. 
And in this fight, I think he's got something to prove. I think a win over Kai is uh, his. Uh, it definitely can happen. So I think yep. I think that's going to be a fun fight, though. Kai being having the power on the feet, um, super tough to take down. He's got quick hands. He puts Very it all fast. together really well. It's going to be really fast. Uh, but Brandon's got a Brandon's got a chin, man. He's got a chin, and he's he can take the fight anywhere. If the fight gets to the ground, I give him the advantage as well as on the feet. I don't think he's got the advantage on the feet, but he ain't gonna be afraid to stand. No, and so that's gonna make for a fun fight. All right, well, hey, that's UFC two seventy seven. Let's get into some other news, Dave. What do you got for us, bud? All right, let's talk about the Nate Diaz thing, um, so that we can. I've got like a few notes here. I'm just gonna put them up on screen and read them off, and then you guys can kind of touch on whatever you want. So, some of the biggest takeaways that I noted on this were uh, Nate saying that he had asked for Luke and Tony Ferguson. Uh, they offered him Hamza, and then because he said no, they started screw. He said no initially, but then he said like, "Fine, I'll just take the fight, whatever." But because I guess because he had said no, you know, you guys talk about the contract all the time, how they can use that <coughs> to push him out, and so mm -hmm. you know, it sounds like they they use that to say, "All right, we'll just set you out then." Um, he also said um, he's been trying to get out of his contract since the Benson fight because he any any regrets that he signed an eight fight deal. Uh, back then and so um you know the, he said as soon as he signed that deal he knew he'd done something wrong um and so he's basically been trying to get out of that since um says he's been paid more than anyone in the ufc more than all the champs besides connor um which i think was you know quite a big statement um he said he's thankful for the ufc platform that helped him build his own um but but he's the one that you know put in the work because you know everybody has to basically do their part, um, which is to to win fights and and sh and you know show show off whatever it is to to make your name, um. So he feels like he's now being devalued as a result of um his decision to not resign a contract, um. And then he mentioned like guys getting title shots off of him, um, because <laughs> of his popularity. And every, basically everybody's fought has gotten a title shot off of him. Um, and so, you know, he mentioned Josh, he mentioned Graham Maynard, Benson, um, list goes on. Um, and he talked about Khabib's legacy. This one has probably made the most headlines. Khabib's legacy being worthless because um, he said Khabib never fought quality guys. He fought, like, he mentioned Gaethje, um, you know, as being one of the guys. He's like, but, you know, Gaethje's obviously one of these guys that's, you know, he he put he said it as a, in a way that's like you know Gaethje's not a top level guy and then besides that you know there's nobody really that he fought that was top level, um, and then and then he talked about open scoring a little bit by that point he was kind of ready to get off the call but yeah, Ariel, so. Ariel was kind of pushing him to to kind of agree with open scoring, um, and Ariel actually put it in a way that was like. You know, in basketball, football, you see the score, you know what you need to do to be winning. It ain't basketball um, so and it ain't, it ain't football. But 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 every other sport, every other sport shows you where you are is, is the kind of point he made. Um, yeah, and when, Nate when kind of agreed with it, but, but, you know, was also trying to get off the call when, at that point. When you're, when, you're, when you're up by 20, right, those teams start just putting in their second tier basketball players or their football players. They don't care anymore when you're up by 20 or 30. So if you're up by two or three rounds and you only got two rounds to go, you're going to stop caring. Or you only got one round to go? Yeah, you only got one round. You're going to end up with a boring ass round. Anyways. It happens. Th let's, let's start from the top. Let's Nate go says he the asked top. for Nay said he asked for Vicente Luque. Tony Ferguson offered comms not said no originally and then said, you know what? Fuck it. I'll take it because I want to get out of this contract. By then they were like, nope, we already offered it to you. Let's move on to somebody else. Comms not wasn't available because I heard he got injured during training. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that fight's no longer available. So this is common, you guys. This is very common to what he's doing. Nate 
after saying no to Comzat, that extended his contract probably for four to six months. Yep. But as soon as Nate comes back and says, hey, I'm ready to fight, then it, it doesn't extend his contract anymore. It shuts it down and says, hey, okay, I'm ready to fight. Now they haven't given him a name. <clears throat> so they knew they had a little bit more time based off of him turning that fight down. But as soon as it should be, as soon as he said yes or said, hey, I'm ready to fight, give me a name, it should have reactivated his contract right then. Now, I don't know if it still extended it four more months or six months or whatever it is in his contract. I don't know if it still does that. I believe it's only until he says he's ready to take a fight. When he says but he's they, ready, they have they have about a two-month window to yeah. get him lined up for a fight. Got it. Now, um, on the side of that, it says, been trying to get out of this contract since the Benson fight when he signed an eight-fight deal. Regretfully. You talk now, about this all the time. Stop. Fighters, stop signing these long-ass contracts. They're not... They're not good. They're not well, good for you at all. Bank on yourself. Believe in yourself. Josh, explain to people, it doesn't matter if you sign this eight-fight contract in the fact that you feel like secure. Oh, I have an eight-fight contract. They can let you go at any point yeah. without any kind of rep repercussions. They don't owe you anything. They can let you go. So you're really not getting anything as far as security. They can always let you go. Yeah, though they they that absolutely you're right, John. And, and that's any that, promotion. Yes. Any promotion. Yes. And so especially if you lose, you can be gone. And then you win yeah. the next one, cool. They can still cut you off of a win because you've already lost several times or one or two times. Nate, Nate, this is what happened. This and I I'm pretty much can say this. Look, been trying to get out of my contract since the Benson fight when he signed an eight fight deal. <clears throat> that title fight probably only became only came about because, and don't get me wrong, he was on a winning streak. It only came about because he signed an eight-fight deal. That's right. They were very reluctant to give me a title shot because I only signed a four-fight deal. And when the Pettis thing came about and Pettis beat Benson, then they were probably like, they probably had Pettis locked into an eight-fight contract or a seven-fight or eight, six-fight, whatever. It was probably longer than mine. He was a young champion at 26 years old, 26, 27. Me, they they had just redone me before the Nate fight. And I only said, and they said, hey, we want to sign. They actually asked. They actually asked me for a 10 fight. And I said, no. Then they came with eight. I said, no. Then I said, they go, they said, okay, well, what will you sign? I said, four fights for this, you know, for this amount of money. <clears throat> I had banked on myself. I wanted to make sure that I restructured right around the time I got a title shot. And that was it. Then they offered me the title shot because, and Nate had just fought for the title. Then when I fought Nate. I beat Nate. And then after that fight, they had offered me the title shot. Because so many things had happened. Um, the guy with the concussion who fought Gray Maynard. TJ Grant. Grant. He was supposed to get it. Was out because of the concussion. They slid me in. Then Pettis had just Slid won. you out. They slid me out because Pettis had won. And they wanted to use Pettis as a marketing tool because he was young. I understood that. I knew. People, you guys got to just, you got to read between the lines. Don't be stupid. That's the problem with a lot of these fighters. They really believe that like the any promotion but the ufc is looking out for them no they're looking out for what's best in their interest the ufc at the time had benson won against pettis they would have had me fight benson for the title there's no doubt about it since benson lost and and uh pettis was very marketable very flashy submitted benson henderson after benson just got his black belt the way that he fought benson the first time jumping off the cage and and dropping him and winning the wc title that also, too, was a factor. He was young. He was marketable. He had a good look. He was on the Wheaties box. 
He's on the Wheaties box. He hadn't been on the Wheaties box yet. He got on the Wheaties box after that. But he had a great story. His story was he took the title to his dad's grave. The whole story was phenomenal for them to build around. I understood what they were doing. And you have to, as a fighter, understand the situation that you're being presented with. I knew I was never going to get a title shot. I was 36, 37 years old at the time. Just understand where you're at in your career. Get what they're doing. Don't sign eight fight deals. Don't sign them ever. Don't bank on yourself. Make as much money as you can. I know that he got the title shot off of that, but it didn't work out. And now you're stuck in an eight fight deal or seven fight deal, whatever it is. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, his next thing is he's thinking for the UFC platform. I heard this. I was watching this actually while he was doing to build his own thing, but also feels like the that he overcame his own odds by getting where it is because he optimized the opportunity and is now being devalued with the low, the low rolling, the slow rolling. This is absolutely true. But just like where he's at in his career, I don't know how old he is. He's what, 36, 37 years old, somewhere around there, I believe. Might be 35, but I think he's 36, 37. They're doing exactly what they normally do with everyone who's 36, 30, not just myself. And someone that they know is going to leave. And someone they, they know is going to leave. They know, they know he their, wants to leave. He's their job is not to increase your value. Yep. And not Nate, at this point. You're, you're absolutely correct. You, of anybody in the sport outside of Conor McGregor, you optimized your talent, your ability, and your marketability, and the things that you brought to the cage. You did it to the best. Yep. Nobody else outside of Conor has done it like you. No one. Well, do you remember, do you remember a lot, I don't know how far back it was, but you know, people were talking about, you know, Nate and Dana came out saying he doesn't move the needle. And then well, and then you know, whole, a couple things happened all of a sudden they put him back and all of a sudden Dana came out, yeah, he moves the needle. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. that's just he's one of those guys that people no matter win or lose, they're interested in what he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now it goes on like he, he did everything. He did everything the way he was supposed to. And I, I listened to the interview yesterday because someone had sent me the link while it was going on live. So I clicked on and he is somebody that people need to remember. There's certain fighters that have helped change the game. BJ Penn being, I think, number one. Okay. BJ Penn was the guy that helped change the game. I would say maybe Frank Shamrock. I mean, Hoist being one, Frank Shamrock maybe number two, fighting everybody, you know, weight classes kind of first got initiated. But BJ Penn helped change the game with the way the contracts were done, the way he went off and did Rumble on the Rock, came back, beat, you know, like with the Matt Hughes fight, all of those things, he helped change the game. Nate Diaz is another one that helped change the game. It's because that whole thing when you saw it happen, that was a big oh, fuck you to the UFC. Was a huge, but it was a huge moment for a guy saying, I'm not going to let someone have control of me because he was smart enough. And see, and everyone looks at Nate and they go, oh, he's the, he's a dummy. He's not. He's fuck not no, a he's dummy. He's not stupid. Okay. He's, he's a smart guy. <laughs> he knows exactly what direction things are going to go if he allows someone to have control. Yeah. When he told them, no, oh, I'm not fighting then. You know, and they said, oh, just take you. Look, we'll let you take this fight and then we'll work it out. And he goes, nope, we're going to work it out beforehand. And that was the smartest thing he could do. And what he did was he hit the Twitter and he hits all these other places and did, and did all these things on his social media and said, hell no, I'm not going to let you control the narrative. I'm going to do it myself. 
And I thought it was brilliant on his part. And like you said, a lot of people look at him and his brother and they go, oh, man, they're so stupid. They're ghetto. They're this. They're not dumb. They're not dumb. They're not dumb at all. No. They understand that they control the game. When you move the needle as much as they do, you can do and say, and your fans, the, their fans, are some of the most loyal fans <laughs> in the damn game. Are you kidding me? Oh, these yeah, guys would destroy. These guys will fight you on a street corner They'll because tear you tear down a building them. for them. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, these guys, Nick and Nate are some of the, they're the nicest guys when you're on their, when they're on your side or you're on their side or whatever it is. But they're, they're, they're real, they're real people. You're not going to get a fake person out of them. They're not trying to sugarcoat shit to do your interviews. They're not trying to do all, they understand what it takes to market themselves and they do a fantastic job at it. And I think they are phenomenal for the sport. I know that both of them are kind of aging. Or one of Nate, Nick's kind of already aged out a little bit. Nate's on his way. It's going to be a sad day when we don't have these guys in the sport. Yep, it really is because there's they have been mainstays for the last 15, 18, 20 years. And it's sad to see him. They're you know as everyone is going to do. They're all going to age out. But he is somebody. And then he goes on to say, mention guys like myself getting title shots uh, off of beating him. Well, I never actually got the title shot. I was offered it, so there you go. I want to make sure that's clear. I thought I didn't know Gray got a title shot off of him because did, he, did Gray beat him? No, he beat he Gray, knocked he Gray beat out. Gray. Yeah, he beat Gray. Yeah. So I, I don't know what uh, Gray and then Benson. Ben, you know, I, I don't know where he got with that. But me being offered the title shot, I never got it. But regardless, <clears throat> but in terms of what he's uh John, what he getting paid. When he said, look, I may, I've got paid more than your guys' champions. I've gotten paid more. The only guy that's ever made Damn more man. money than me is Conor McGregor. Well, I, I don't um, – how do I say this? I don't disagree no, with him. I don't, th I don't think anyone else deserved to get more money than you. Bro, you, okay. you outside of Conor, Conor deserved it. He did his thing. He did yep. his thing. He deserved the money. I would. I can't say, and I'm a Khabib nut rider because he's my boy, and all these other things. DC, I feel the same way. He's, you know, I mean, these are my boys, man. I, I love them. I'm gonna. I'm a. I'm a homer when it comes to them. You guys know I'm super biased when it comes to them. I'm super biased when it comes to Islam. These guys, they, they don't move the needle. Like oh yeah, no hold it. Stop on a consistent basis. Stop. Okay. I'm gonna tell you this. Your Nate moves the needle. DC. N never really moved the needle that you know that much. No. Khabib got to the point he moved the needle. <laughs> Look at John, one fight. No, you can sit there and say the Connor fight, the Dustin Poirier fight moved the needle too. Okay, and did it, it break so, a million? Yes, it did. It did. Yes, the Dustin Poirier fight broke a million. Broke a million. Interesting. And I'm not trying to look, and you guys know I'm a ride or die with, with for Khabib. I didn't realize that he in did. the end, in the end, it was a great fight, though, by the way. It was a great fight, but in the end, people were interested in Khabib. Yeah, he was a needle at the end of his, you know, his last fight against Justin. I believe it fucking broke him, it broke a million, too. Yeah, everyone and thought so, that Justin's wrestling was be enough to stuff, but in the end, he was a needle mover, so he he was a guy that did. He moves the needle. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, I'm going to say this about, you know, uh, him saying something about Khabib's legacy. I always look at guys, did they pick their fights? Tell me who the fuck did Khabib ever fucking duck? John, that's the other thing with Islam. Right? Everyone's like, oh, he hasn't fought any top 10 guys. You want to know why? Those guys don't want to fight him. <laughs> exactly. Oh, 
that's my that's my whole thing. Yeah, every everybody out there, you know, when it comes to Khabib, he didn't duck anybody. And there's fights that were left on the table that I would have loved to have seen. He can't help that. Yeah, you know, he took the fight. The fight just never happened. You know, that's just that's part of you know the sport and stuff. Yep. So to sit there and uh, I, that's the only section of the interview that I heard was when he was you know talking about Khabib saying there's no reason to dog his his legacy. Khabib is what he is, fantastic fighter who fought everybody that they could put in front of him. It's not that he ever ducked anyone. And there's a lot of guys you know, I know. Look at they they bob and weave in between things as long as they can to try to put themselves in the best position. They might eventually end up having to fight that guy, but they do things to where they get an advantage when they finally get that fight. Yeah, and they want they want to do it. They want to do it closer to the top where there's more money to be made, which is sure, smart. sure. And I don't blame him for that, but Khabib never did that. Khabib took well, on everybody they put in front of him, said yes, 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 yes. Well, you have to remember when he won the title, right? He went through well, three or four opponents. It was supposed that to be week. Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Then it was supposed to be Max Holloway. Yep. Then it was then, finally Ally Quinta. I thought there was one other person in the mix there for a second, and then then that, that didn't come about, and then it was then it was Ally Quinta. That is a possibility. Now you tell me, going through all those emotions, you can't talk shit about him. Going through no. all those emotions that week, no. you can't no. tell me he said, "Fight, are you find me anybody? Put DC in there. I'll fight him too for the title." <laughs> like that that shows you right there. As if you're a promoter, that's the champ that you want. I don't give a shit. It's mm-hmm. all the things that happen leading up to that scenario. All those things that were going on, absolutely yeah. not. But he's he's not ducking anyone. Islam does he's not ducking anyone. Islam like let's fight. Nobody wants to fight these guys. Nobody wants to fight them. That's why they don't have a lot of top ten guys on their record because nobody wants those guys in the top ten. They don't want to get bumped off. You know. So with Nate with Nick, I was getting onto the point though, John, where Khabib made a lot of money towards the end. Okay, but my point was this: for someone who was not the champion, who's never been champion. He's moved the needle and made the most money over a long period of time because he is who he is. Yep. Khabib didn't, up until Khabib beat Connor, he didn't move the needle like he did. Those last three fights That's or four true. fights or whatever it was, he moved the needle. Sure, you're saying a yep. million. I didn't, I, I, and I'm not saying because Khabib, I'm not, I'm not saying like I didn't think it broke a million because at the time, pay per view buys were not, they're not big. They weren't big. Like the Connor was the biggest one they have, that UFC's ever done, 2.4, I think is what it was. Yeah, I think it was 2.4. Um, but, but after that, with the Justin Gaethje and the Dustin Poirier fight, like those fights, I didn't think they'd have broke a million because Dave, look, that the, time, look those up if you can off to the side. See if you can find out how much those look at, did in pay per view. I didn't look. I didn't think that they did over a million only because during the time streaming was really caught on and no one's really breaking a million anymore at that time. You know, I mean, I know the Connor fight happened, but let's just be honest. It had nothing to do with Khabib or had nothing to do with uh, Dustin and Justin. Um, it's just that they, it, like people were streaming so much. You're, you know, you're that the pay per view what the numbers were never what they used to be. The Connor one was a unique situation because everyone from around the world, everyone from Canada, U.S., wherever, uh, Australia, all the U.K., where pay-per-views uh, actually get charged. Which opponent yeah. are you looking for? I'm looking for Justin and Dustin. Either, 
Justin and Dustin. Dust, Dustin yeah. Poirier, Justin Gaethje against Khabib. Gaethje was six seventy five. Uh, Didn't break a million. Whoa, 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 whoa! What are you looking at? That Justin Gaethje and Khabib was six seventy five. Was six seventy five? Yep. What about the uh, Dustin Poirier? I don't and see Dustin. The Dustin one. So it was McGregor, before. It was before. That would, that would have been before the uh, Gaethje one. Yeah. Lower down. Well, it's not. This is ranked on. This is ranked on buy rate. So let's go. Oh, to the next so it, oh. it wouldn't. It didn't do as good as. Well, of so course Dustin, it didn't do as good as. No, it's Justin. McGregor. It's Justin. It's Justin. If he's done by rankings, he's saying so. The du- Justin Gaethje and the du- and the Khabib one did better than the Dustin one. If that one's on there, and then the Dustin one's not on there. Yeah, wait. I'm trying to see if I can find it right now. But see if you can continue okay, to look. I, I'm lo- I'm looking at his list, mm-hmm. and it's bullshit. It's got David and Goliath down there. Fucking, it's like like a hundred and fucking sixty. Give me a break. Oh jeez, oh jeez. <laughs> I don't know who David and Goliath is. I'm I'm not even looking at this stupid list. All right, let's see. All right. So, anyways, I would I would think the I'm Dustin one broke a million. I would think it broke a million, but but when you actually think about it, John, I, now that I just thought it came out of my mouth, I don't think it did. Because if you look at like how many times, look at how many times John Jones, look how many John Jones fought. What he broke a million once, twice. Mm, I don't, I, I don't know I'm if not he, sure he, he did. He, I thought he broke a million one time. I no, I think, I think it, it was his, DC the first time. His second one, I think his second, oh, second one with DC got close, like eight hundred and some. Got it. But got it. Got it. all right. Well, maybe he Who never knows? did. I thought oh, John well. broke it one time. Can you imagine if the John Jones versus Brock Lesnar fight would have happened? Oh, that's why that he called that one out. That would have smart as hell. Fucking crushed it, man. Yeah. That fight would have crushed Not it. Not only would that fight have crushed it, John Jones would have crushed poor Brock. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I always wanted to see the DC and Brock Lesnar fight. That's oh, the God. They did that whole thing with the pushing I thing. I was like, stop. I know, but I would have liked to have seen that fight. Anyways, I get back and what I'm talking about is Nate Diaz is. You know who would have liked who, to have seen that fight? Uh, Dan Cormier. Dana White. <laughs> Dana, Dana no, White. Dan Cormier, man. Dan Cormier. Yeah. He wanted that fight so bad. He was oh, yeah. really. He was trying to hold out for that fight forever. Can't blame him. The, what I was trying to say with Nate Diaz, though, for someone who's <laughs> never been champion, he's fought Connor, sure, but he's he's inserted himself into the conversation as being one of the biggest draws. And making and he deserved to make the most money throughout his career because of the following that he had that he created. Sure, the UFC gave him the platform. Sure, they did. But John, what's the saying that you have? <laughs> but it's have, also what, what are, how many people have had that same platform and not been able to to bring that result? Well, he brought up a good thing. He brought up a point. What's your three rules for a fighter? Three rules, very simply put: be on time. Okay, if you're gonna, he's not be always somewhere, on time, Nate. Be, be on time because everyone else is waiting for you. Other fighters are doing the same thing. Next one, make weight. Yep. Last thing, I can't tell you to train hard, but when you go out there, put it all out there. Fight hard. Give the fans what they paid for. That's and tell what Nate me, Diaz does. Nate Diaz does it almost every single time. He didn't make every weight time. when I fought him. He didn't make <laughs> weight when I fought him, and he he sometimes is late to the press conferences. Yeah. But, but he always fights hard. But he always fights hard. Yeah. Every single time he handles himself like a professional, he builds up the fight, he markets the fight, he does the things that he does uh, to 
to let his fans relate with him. The middle fingers, like his brother and him do, the middle fingers, talk shit while he's fighting, calls people bitches, slaps them in the cage. Stockton gives slaps them. Slap. These are all things that his fans get behind. And yeah. he understands how to move the needle. And I, yeah. I can't I can't say it enough. I'm a huge fan of Nate Diaz. I'm a huge fan of Nick Diaz. Because Nick and I came up more on the same path. You know, um, the old generation, Nate being the younger kid, you know, came up. But he did a fantastic job of marketing himself. The UFC gave him the platform. He optimized it the best he possibly could. And you can't do anything but tip your hat to him. And he deserved, over all these years, to be paid the most, more than the champions, more than uh, more than all the other guys. Sure, the championship got paid more. But not all of them have learned to market themselves like Nick, Nick and Nate Diaz. Yeah. That's why they didn't make more. That's, that's just me. That's, what, that's the way I feel about them. I think that they're been. I'm just gonna be sad to see both of them go when they age out of this sport. I agree. Good stuff. Next up, let's go. All right, we're gonna wrap up on this one. Um, so that, since we ran long there, so Kamar Usman is saying that with a win over Leon Edwards, he's gonna go up to light heavyweight. What do you guys think? John, John putting his hands over his face like no, um, dude. Look, here's the thing. I was actually against it, right? So I'm gonna go a little bit the opposite way of what John's saying. Good, you I was go. a little bit. Of, I was a little bit against it, but then I saw the face off with Jan Blahovich and him. Holy shit! <laughs> Holy shit! Kamaro's only like maybe an inch shorter than him, and he looked just as thick and wide as him. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to win. But I said, I was thinking to myself, people kept telling me that Camaro doesn't cut a lot of weight. Shut the freak up, man. He looked <laughs> enormous. He First looked off, so big. Just so you know, Camaro won't be fighting Jan Blahovich. He's not the champion. That's true as well. Oh. Well, he, he might be. He might be here soon. No. You never know. He's not but fighting John, for it. If he beats Leon Edwards, I mean, like, Dave, can you pull up the picture of, of uh, I think, I think, Kamara put it on his social media. It's a video or a picture of the two of them faced off. And Kamara looks just as big, maybe an inch yeah, shorter than... And angles do a whole lot for pictures. Oh, come on, no, John. Stop. Help me, help me, they're, help they're, me build this I'm fight. I'm not helping you build this fight. I don't want to see him do it. I, I like Kamara Usman. I think Kamara Usman is a phenomenal fighter. I think 170 pounds is a great weight class for him. And 205 is too big. John, you're boring. I'm not boring. I'm smart. <laughs> there it is. Okay. There it is right there. Is that Yuri or Jan? Let's see. No, that's Jan. That's Jan. See? That's Jan. Well, never mind. It doesn't look as close as I thought now that I see that. <laughs> <laughs> Yuri's, uh, yeah. Jan's like probably three inches taller than him and a little bit. Shoulders are definitely taller. Head's a little bit taller. Uh, way taller. But look at the arms on Usman, man. Yeah. Jeez. And, and we, what, what do arms do in a fight? But look, okay, who has who has the better wrestling? Kamara Usman. Okay. Who uh, that's all I need to who, say. Who's <laughs> I don't have a can't go anywhere else with it. <laughs> who's got who, the better wrestling? Who is used to fighting carrying two hundred and twenty yeah. pounds? Yeah. John, I don't know, man. I, Kamara I, Usman is look, he's got a great gas tank. I, I never question his cardio, and even though you I did early in his career. 
earlier i can't i, I don't talk but about he wrestled anything. the reason why i question because he wrestled so much and we all know you can't yeah. wrestle that much and and look fantastic in round five yeah the only time the that i've seen three. him lately where i say yeah, he looks a little tired his second fight against colby he started to look a little tired mm. okay and but that that can happen the guy's got a great gas tank he's got great wrestling his stand-up has gotten really good it's not good enough to beat canelo jesus christ people you know, you have no fucking concept. He will get lit the fuck up in a boxing match. But he's a phenomenal MMA fighter. And at 170, dude, he's the king. Stay the king. Don't go up that far. I, Josh, we're talking about 35 pounds of weight class. 35. Crazy. You know Don't do make, it. We know it doesn't make sense, right? Which I know is because which might make people not... all excited about it. So okay, you know the thing is though is what you know who'd be excited? Colby Covington, Kamara Usman is leaving that weight class. Oh man, <sighs> well he ain't leaving yet, and no. who knows? Colby may not get past uh, Kamzat. You know and if they ever fight. It's, you look, Kamara might not get past Leon. You know the fight I want to see is I want to see Gilbert Burns and Colby Covington. Uh, that would be a good one. I want to see that fight. I would love to uh, see that. But one. look, look, I think that with Kamaru Usman, when you've been when you've been a, a champion this long, you've had success. Um, go ahead, challenge yourself. I would have liked to have seen him fight Izzy, you know, because but the thing is they won't fight because they're Nigerian and apparently yeah. like that's a thing where you that's just, okay. You don't want to fight your brothers, which okay, but it used to be that we, okay. Let's go back in time. Brazilians, you say uh, I'm not going to fight another Brazilian. They tend to do that now all the time. Yeah. So. Well, I think this because these are the first three guys. You've got, you know, yeah. you've got Ngannou, you've got Kamaru, and you've got Izzy. I mean, all three of them. All um, three of them are champions. Yeah, all three of them are champions. But, and, and Ngannou, but Ngannou is from Cameroon. He's not Nigerian. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, look, if you want to challenge yourself, challenge yourself. Um, I think I think Izzy would be the easier fight because I think you'd be able to take him down at will. I think you know, it'd be a, if, an, an awfully big step up. Just it would be. Ev everything would work against him in getting there. But if that's what he wants to do, then hey, that that's his choice. Hey. My my, I don't my know, ideas don't mean shit. Yeah, the only thing is, I wonder why he faced off against Jan. That's the fight he wants. Well, because he's not the champion. Yeah, but he's not the room. champion, so why? Yeah. You know? I mean, I also think he's got a, a fantastic chance of beating Yuri. Takes Yuri down. Yuri, Sorry. Sure he ain't got, Yuri doesn't have much takedown defense. Sorry. John, okay, I'm going to touch on this one last thing. You go um, Yuri, Yuri actually just recently put out a video calling for the rematch against yeah. Glover. Yeah. What do you think on that? Do you, you know see obliges? Okay, let, let's just... I think they uh, should. Every, everybody that talks about that fight, did you... Were you not entertained? I loved it. It was fucking phenomenal. It was Now, a great fight both guys said, oh, I screwed up. I, I didn't fight smart. I didn't fight well. I, it was the worst fight correct. of my career. Okay, but that's... Uh, again, see, and this is where people look and you go, sometimes when guys are making a lot of mistakes... It's a great fight. Everyone goes to Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner. What a great fight. Yeah, because they both made a lot of mistakes. 
But that's what made it a great fight because they worked their way through him. Mm-hmm. And that's what you had with Yuri against Glover. It was a great fight. When you have that kind of fight, goes all the way into the fifth round. Glover is winning the fight, and Yuri pulls out the goddamn fucking submission for the win. Yeah, I'd like to see that fight again. Yeah. I would rather see that fight than I would Yuri against Jan or Yuri against Ankoliev or Yuri against Anthony Smith. I would rather see that fight again because it was great. I'd rather see Kamaru Usman versus Yuri than Glover. <laughs> I'm being a total smartass right now. You are. You're, I, I, but Kamaru Usman, I think, like, he's he's been he's been a champion. He's been a mainstay. He's had some great performances. Yeah. Um, I, I had Ali reach out to me and say, "Hey, what's up with your boy? What What do you mean? He thought he thought Islam was gonna lose, and then he thought now he doesn't think that." That Kamar Usman is the pound for pound king. Ali, Ali, I got a lot of love for you, brother. I, I think, I think Kamaro is definitely he's a great, fantastic fighter. But I look at the guys that Kamaro's beat: Colby Covington, George, um, who else? Who else Gilbert. did he beat? In, in Gilbert. Gilbert. I look at all those guys. They're fantastic fighters. But Max Holloway was someone who was just dominant for so long. And Volkanovski has beat him three times. The other fights, he beat Brian Ortega, Ortega who's been in the mainstay for four years. You know, that's I look at Brian Ortega as if like it's a uh, Colby Covington situation. But then Camaro hasn't beaten a guy, another guy like a Max Holloway. He hasn't beaten another guy like that. Gilbert's been a stud. I think he's a very extremely. I'm a huge fan of Gilbert Burns, but he is not a. He's not a. He hasn't been a mainstay at that division like a Brian Ortega or a Max Holloway has. And then you look at uh, uh, Masvidal. Masvidal is a fantastic fighter, okay? But he is not in that level of the Brian Ortega and the Max Holloway. Volkanovski's beaten extremely, ta- extremely talented guys and who's been there at the top for the longest time and has fought all the who's who. Whereas the other guys that Camaro has. I'm going to go with Volk uh, slightly. But I also, John, when I say that, I ain't mad well, that Camaro's there. No, look, first off, let, let's let's put this with a shining light of truth upon it. Careful before Ali, Ali jumps through the screen and gets us. Go ahead. Jump all <laughs> you want. Ali, I love you that. have skin in the game. Yeah. Okay? Everything you say, every bit of it, you have skin in the game, dude. Camaro's your, you, rep, you represent him. You know? Khabib, you represent him. All these guys that you represent, that you say something, Kayla Harrison, you represent her. You've got skin in the game. So when you say something, you're saying it for a reason. It's like There's Josh money Thompson involved. And, it's like Josh Thompson with Khabib and Luke and DC and, and everybody. <laughs> a little else. Homer. I got a little. I got a little skin in the game. I, got I, I, got, I have zero skin in the game in saying yeah. who I believe is the best pound for pound. Zero. It doesn't do me any good doesn't I, I just look and say i'm being honest the guy who right now is fighting the very best of everybody out there is a guy named volkanovsky he really yeah. is you got to give yeah. it to him 
All right, well, hey, we're going to wrap up on that. Let's go to WayneAndPodcast.com. There's no promo code for this. This is our site for our merch, and you guys pick up some of our merch. We've got it all available to you. We've got a new five-round main event shirt that is out for our new short show that is on our shorts channel. You guys hit the link down below, which is in the descriptions. That will take you to our short clip channel. And there's a special show that we do there called Five Round Main Event. It's a fun little show that we do. It's a short that's why we call it a short show. It's only about Very 15 good. minutes long at the nice. max. We also got the hashtag and still available. We've got the hindsight 50 50, which is Joshism, which we've got a lot more of those potentially coming here shortly. We've got plenty to make out of them. Our OG logo and our new logo, our beast mode shirt, which is a, one of my favorite shirts. I love the design done by John Wayshank. Uh, he's an artist on Instagram. who's a friend of mine, trained in my gyms and my locations for a while. Absolutely fantastic artist. Uh, he's done some work for Marvel and stuff. So check out that shirt. And look, guys, we want to thank you for continuing to support us. Go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code Wayne in, and John, take us away. Thank you to everyone for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed. Have a great week, and enjoy the fights on the weekend, and we will see you.